Welcome everybody to Podcast Today for September 25th, 2016, the third film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe following on from Iron Man, the first direct sequel in the universe, 2010's Iron Man 2. Barry's here once again to discuss it with me. I'm a big John Favreau fan. Let's get into it. Is this your favorite John Favreau film? I actually, I don't know too many others off the top of my head. Did he, he directed Daredevil, right? That was him? No, I don't think so. I must be mistaken. Uh, anyway, he did like Elf. Oh, really? Um, Chef. Chef was John Favreau. Hey, what is, what is Chef? I've never heard of Chef. Uh, that was the one that got some Oscar hype a few years ago. Oh, okay. But then it must have been better than Iron Man Two, and more than likely Elf. What else did he do? He did Cowboys vs. Aliens as well. What a weird resume. And um, oh, he did a film last year or this year, Jungle Book. He did Jungle Book this year. Weird. Which is a great film. Have you seen that Jungle Book film? I actually haven't, and it was on my to-watch list, and either other stuff got in the way, or I just, just was busy. I just never got around to seeing it. That's kind of a bummer, because it looked like something you would want to see in the cinema. Oh, yeah, it's, it's um, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, what a bummer. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll definitely try and grab it. With, try and grab it like on Blu-ray or something and watch it in nice quality uh, to do it justice, because the trailers were certainly very striking. But, yeah, um, you know what? I think I think I do like John Favreau a lot as an actor, though. I think he's great in, in the kind of role he's in in these movies. He's a, he, I think he's a solid comic relief. I don't want to bury the lead here. I don't I don't want to jump ahead because we have another, I don't know, 10 films to watch here. But based on my memory of the films to come, I think this is my least favorite MCU film. Um, Like, I'd even uh, prefer Hulk to this. Well, you know what? On a reviewing, I I, I think on a, on a second viewing, I enjoyed Hulk more than I did initially. And I ended up coming away thinking, eh, you know, it's it's not great, but it's not bad either. This one, I actually, I had no memory of watching this. I watched this once previously and going into, I just rewatched it a few hours ago and going into it, I was like, other than Mickey Rourke and that scene in Monaco, I can't remember a damn thing about this film. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, well, that's why. It's not, it's not especially memorable. So, um, hmm, I think, I think for me, it's certainly near the bottom, but um, not to, yeah, again, not to get too much into um, uh, spoilers for the remainder of this series, but I'm really not big on Cap 1. I'll be interested to, che- uh, to check that out um, again. Uh, but yeah, this is certainly near the bottom. I mean, certainly in phase one, I think this is near the bottom. There was big changes. Only really Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow were back as major characters. You had Samuel yeah. Jackson as a kind of a more featured role. And obviously uh, Clark Gregg was back here and there. But then Don Cheadle was in as War Machine. And I totally forgot this. But Scarlett Johansson is in this film. I, I was the exact same as when I saw her name flash up. I was like, oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's her first appearance. And yeah, and like you said, this is the first, okay, here's Nick Fury in the actual film doing things rather than just showing up for his little cameo. So yeah, those, that's, you know, that's two kind of notable things about this one. Also, um, I had no recollection of Don, Don Cheadle's kind of debut line in the film being, yeah, it's me. I'm here. Get over it. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, which I was like, oh, all right. And I actually, I remember, like, the first 45 minutes to an hour of the film, I was like, eh, you know, I, you know, the banter between the characters is good. You know, I like all these, I like all these actors, and, you know, the scene in the Senate was good, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I was, you know, early on, I was actually digging this a reasonable amount. You know, as you say, not too many returning characters, but I think as we discussed when we did Iron Man 1, you know, Don Cheadle's good. I you know I I like Terrence Howard but not a not a downgrade necessarily. Yeah, for some reason I had it in my head that Scarlett Johansson debuted in the Avengers, and like no, she has a big role in this film too. It's not like a cameo; she's a featured character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although it's it's you can be forgiven for kind of not being able to 
you know, keep track of um, this character's kind of role in the universe because she hasn't really had her own film. And even though, you know, she's important in the Avengers movie, I wouldn't say she's really central in either of them thus far. Likewise, Civil War, you know, big, but not the big part. Um, she's kind of the MCU utility player where they just kind of turn her in everywhere they need her. Yes, yeah. And, and you know, similarly, you know, utility player who kind of has this groundswell of, you know, let's do this properly. Let's give her an extra film, which I'd be I'd be all for, you know, give her a give her a Russo Brothers film or something. I think they could do her justice because, you know, her, her action sequences need to be uh, need to be special, which I feel like they were in this. They were pretty cool. I, I did catch yeah. she did three Hurricane Rannas in this film. Oh, yeah, she's a bona fide cruiserweight. This is, this is a thing I will keep track of the film she's in. How many Hurricane <laughs> she do? She is a fan of head scissoring people. Yeah. There's two main villains. Uh, again, they went for like big name actor in Mickey Wark, where like they had Jeff Bridges in Iron Man 1. So, you know, they, they had a good actor in that role. And both yeah. him and Sam Rockwell, who kind of acted as co villains at times, I don't think either did much in this film, especially Mickey Wark. He's just there yeah. doing a goofy accent. Yeah, they, they basically, it felt as though they could have been amalgamated into one character. I feel like you could have had, you could have just had Sam Rockwell's character be the one whose father had this beef with Tony Stark's family going back decades. I think that could have just as easily been one character. But perhaps their, their thinking was, oh, well, at that point, if it's just another you know, executive who wants to get into the Iron Man suit, then it's just Iron Man 1. So let's get this foreign guy with tattoos who's slightly unkempt and he has all these unique um, qualities. Let's have him be, you know, one of the villains. And that kind of changes it up, except it kind of doesn't because that was actually completely transparently, you know, an unimportant character who didn't really, um, he, he was very much just a prop Sam Rackwell's character. So, yeah, you ended up feeling, even just, you know, three films into the MCU, you're, you're like, okay, this villain stuff isn't uh, isn't clicking with me. And I think that's kind of where the film kind of uh, fell down for me. Or there's, like, literally the, the villain in the end is more just an army of autonomous robots. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, like, I, I like Sam Rockwell. He's, he's, yeah, he was, he, you know, he's a, I, think he's, I think he's good in this. I think he's a, he's a great, smarmy, you-just-want-to-punch-him villain. Which is another kind of criticism. I feel like he kind of he walks off in handcuffs. And like to be honest, I was waiting for the scene where he gets like decked. Yeah, like someone just headbutts the guy. Ideally, Pepper it, Potts. Uh... Pepper Potts just walks up and knocks yes, him out. Yes, I I couldn't remember. I was like, oh, I I assume Pepper just can slaps him at some stage, but that did not happen. Uh, that was that was um that was something of a letdown. So uh, yeah, and he and he doesn't resurface to my to my knowledge. He doesn't resurface anything, does he? I don't believe so. I don't think he's in Iron Man 3. So, if no, he is, it's a very um, small role. Yeah, yeah. Although, again, that is another film that I've seen once. Uh, actually, very recently, because I, I didn't see it when it came out. So I saw, I saw Iron Man 3 not that long ago, and another one that I'm just completely blank on, no recollection of it. So, um, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, I mean, Rourke is talented. This was, you know, this was only a year or two after The Wrestler. So this was, you know, big resurgence. Hey, everyone, Mickey Rourke's back. And just, ah. You know, not his fault, but not not a, not a great performance, not a great role. Yeah, not 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 much to write home about for him, unfortunately. Because like the Mandarin is Iron Man's big villain. Yeah. When when you think Iron Man, you think Mandarin, and apparently the reason John Favreau was reluctant to use Mandarin was he's kind of too fantastical, too mystical. Yeah. And he wanted to keep it more grounded, more realistic. Mm -hmm. 
and obviously Mandarin does play a role in Iron Man three, but again, he's not really the villain again there. So yeah, that's that's a that's an unusual little uh, bait and switch they go for there uh, in the third one. Which I can kind of understand the the reluctancy to go full on mystic um, when you're doing your superhero thing. I mean, I know you're talking about the DCU with with Robbie at the moment, DCEU rather, excuse me. Um, Don't you forget that extended universe bit. Got to get that E in there. I I do feel like one of the many issues with Suicide Squad when you guys eventually get to that is just it, everything becomes a little bit wishy washy when you introduce magic into it. Like to a certain extent, most superheroes they obey the, a certain set of rules, um, and those are important in film because that's how you kind of anchor the drama by teaching the audience that this is this is how this character flourishes. This is how this character is hurt. Uh, and magic being this like ambiguous, weird force that doesn't really play by any sort of discernible rules. Uh, that That is a problem for me with Suicide Squad, because in the final act, you just have uh, these weird kind of magical characters that you're not really sure how to best them. And, and when they're killed off, it just feels weird, like it doesn't really make sense. Uh, so I, I can see trepidation, you know, from, from Favreau to introduce them. Because also he has he has the weight of an entire you know twenty film franchise uh, on his shoulders, so the the rules of the universe making sense are important. Yeah, because this film was the third film in the series, and it felt like at the time they didn't really know what they were doing. Yeah, you know, it felt like you know, oh, Iron Man's a hit, let's just make another one. Yeah, absolutely. And... Yeah, Re- rewatching. I mean, not so much the first one, but rewatching uh, this and Hulk. You do kind of get a feeling that okay, you know, this everyone thinks of the MCU as this runaway success. It, these early films aren't really home runs, especially these last two. Definitely feels like there's growing pains. Um, uh, and I, I think another thing that doesn't help. I mean, last time you and I were recording, I kind of expressed my surprise that Iron Man Two was coming um, this soon because I, I had no recollection of that being the case. And I, I do think that one thing that kind of hurt as well is that before you haven't even rolled out your full suite of characters yet, and you're already going back to you know, a, a fan favorite, like, eh, you know, watching them this close together, kind of, you know, not quite binge watching them, but we're watching them fairly close together. Kind of like, eh, I would have been in the mood for something a little bit different in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the, in the order they went in. Yeah, because I think it makes sense, like, to have one standalone character film per phase, because then you can have, like, the big events of the, the big crossover film affects each character in a different way, and then you can kind of, deal with how that affects each character in the subsequent solo film or is this it's just you know it's just another iron man film Absolutely. nothing nothing has happened to iron man really this is six months after iron man 2 the the film is set it's just it's just another iron man film nothing has happened yeah absolutely and i do think that one thing i did like again i i did i did mention enjoying the first kind of 40 minutes or so one thing i liked was the um the opening feels like it's really setting up Tony Stark for a fall from grace because he's he's so arrogant and he's talking about privatizing world peace and all this old stuff and it's like okay they they must be setting this guy up for something where you know stuff blows up in his face and I guess it kind of does because you have the fight scene with with War Machine where it's like okay everything's gotten to Tony and it's gotten to his head and, and all this other stuff but that's that's not really to do with his arrogance it's more to do with his um his father issues and his health issues and all this other stuff yeah, and, and I feel like in, in the opening of the film, I was like, oh, okay, they're building up on, on, you know, him revealing himself to be Iron Man and, you know, his arrogance growing and his ego getting in the way. But second half of the film, was like, eh, that just quietly kind of fell away and they didn't really do anything with it. 
kind of the same with the health stuff. It's like, oh, he's dying, and now he's now he's not dying, and now he's not. Yeah, it's it's yeah. They they introduced so many potentially interesting concepts early on, and then did not follow through with them, which is a, a bummer. Again, I don't know if if um, I, I don't know. I just I actually I just don't really know why some of that the, the health stuff in particular felt like it was culminating, like it was building and building and building, and then what? Like Nick Fury just comes along and just kind of hand waves it off. Pretty much. And then it's like, oh, your dad solved this problem like 30 years ago. Everything is fine. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, and also that seemed a bit... Oh, yeah, that was it, because he did the... um The whole secret the is math? in the model thing, yeah. I did not understand that at all. I, remember, I was like, so his dad had this cure for this very specific problem? I That bit was lost in me. What was also lost in me was Rhodey knowing how to operate the suit. Uh, I completely forgot that there's no, like... There's no training montage. There's no nothing. It's just he gets in and it just works. Yep. Also, I was I, I was kind of um, lost on how, you know, Mickey Rourke's character found something that suggested Stark was going to Monaco, which is fine, but his plan involved attacking him on the racetrack, even though no one else knew he was going to be on the racetrack. Yeah. I suppose he, he just basically showed up and attacked him. <laughs> That was the extent of his plan. It's like, wherever he happens to be when I find him. Yeah, there was actually, you know, I, I don't like to be too much of a stickler for this kind of stuff, but there was a, you know, there was a couple of things like that in this film. Was like, oh, these are just, these, you're just kind of crowbarring these ideas into each other. And, and it, it kind of lacks the polish that we, we now know comes in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because this, this film was put into production after Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 1 in 2008. And that that kind of shows. It feels rushed at times. It feels like the scripts could have probably went through another draft or two, and everything probably could have been polished a little better. Yeah, there are some weird cameos in this film. Uh, I did laugh at the. I again another thing completely forgot about. It. I did laugh at Stanley being introduced as uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Larry King. Yep, that was that was clever. I enjoyed that. It was it was so much better than just like oh here he is in the background. You know, it's yeah, I I got a kick out of that one. And if it follows on from him being mistaken for Hugh Hefner in the first Iron Man. Oh yeah, yeah. So the Iron Man Larry or the Iron Man Stan Lee, uh, the shtick is that he's mistaken for people because yeah, yeah, in Hulk he just drinks some Hulk juice and gets sick. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like Bill O'Reilly, it's like yeah, that, that that's appealing oh. to the Iron Man audience. Yeah, that was weird. That was a yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, was he was was he pro or oh was he he was commenting on Pepper Potts or something, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that was weird. And it had like Elon Musk and Larry Ellison, which are two very specific cameos. <laughs> yeah. And like the first film did have Jim Cramer as well. I always find it weird when real news people play like themselves in fictional film in fictional roles. It's just like, does not that not impeach on your credibility just a little? Yeah, I can kind of see that. Although I, I suppose I do like it better than it's it's one of my weird bugbears. I hate uh, like really uh, overtly fake news uh on in films and tv show i so yeah i guess i kind of like it when they when they bring people in uh, i just got finished watching the night of which has nancy grace in it uh uh complaining about the 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 killer who or not the killer the suspect who is the subject of the uh of of the series and she's talking about you know the, she's being very being very nancy grace about it i like the way she, uh, she's basically a parody of herself at this stage yeah and i think she's done a couple things like that where she's she she's willing to appear on stuff as a loudmouth version of herself which you know fair enough if she is so inclined i appreciate that level of self-awareness uh yeah it's it's too bad bill o'reilly wasn't being you know a ridiculous blowhard in in this film he, he's he's literally just in it for a couple of seconds just not seen on a screen but um 
yeah. So that yeah, you're right. Yeah, some very very unusual uh, appearances in this one. And there is foreshadowing for Thor and a teensy bit of foreshadowing for Cap. Yeah, yeah, little little bits here and there. Again, it felt, you know this was kind of before the universe really felt fully formed because at this stage they've only introduced two major players. So um, yeah, but you know I, I appreciate that. Again, I guess this is back when the novelty of just of hinting at other characters in the universe was still uh, was still novel. Yeah, the idea that ooh look, Coulson is going doing other things in New Mexico. Ooh, Thor. I have to go to space now to to deal with these guys. <laughs> yeah, and Cap Shield is just lying around Tony Stark's lab. Just you know, yeah, it's the kind of thing that happens. It it almost feels like uh, video game like in terms of little Easter eggs. You're just finding lying around, <laughs> yeah. alluding to other things. You know, I suppose it makes sense because uh, Howard Stark like made the shield, so might as well just yeah. return it to the Stark family. I mean, that is one of the good things about this idea of cinematic universes. And using comics to create one is that comics are tend to do that kind of thing anyway, where they bleed into each other's, you know, uh, stories and whatnot. So yeah, it does, it does, it does work that those characters have those pre-established connections. This film has very little action in it actually either. The the only action scene I was like, yeah, this is fun, is when Iron Man and War Machine are actually teaming up to take down that army of robots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was it was very light. Although I I liked the minimalist is probably the wrong word because. Big ass explosions in it, but I like the uh, the fight in Monaco. It was a, a little bit restrained, but still dramatic, and and the stuff with the car, with you know Pepper and what have you. Uh, you know, I thought that was nicely done. But yeah, certainly um, continuing the trend of Iron Man uh, one, where there is uh, not as much actual Iron Man screen time as you would expect, and and not as much action. Yeah, that that one scene where it's like, oh yeah, we're blowing up robots, dropping one liners, and it's actually really nicely shot as well. So yeah. There's that one scene. So this film, it is two hours long. It could do it being 19 minutes. Oh, yes. This, so this was kind of the first one. I, I think this will be a recurring complaint because even even with the, the, the Marvel films I like, I feel like that's a comic thing. So, yeah, too long. Uh, I felt like the second hour, as I mentioned, the first 45 to an hour, I was like, okay, you know, it's snappy. It's moving along. You had the Senate scene, which is really fun and you know, all these, the Monaco scene that was really fun, and, and they're dropping little, you know, hints towards Tony Stark's health and his his massive ego, and things are going to happen, and then all of that stuff disappears, and it's just it, it disappears, and the film's momentum grounds to a, a screeching halt. I think there's a, a lot of Sam Rockwell scenes, and also a lot of scenes of Tony just kind of meandering around, just being contemplative about oh my dad and all this stuff. Like oh, this movie just ran out of steam, and there's an hour left on the clock. My God, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely one that I think it could have been tighter, um, and that is that is going to be a recurring complaint. Absolutely, that's basically Iron Man two. I think it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, there's there's it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot left uh, uh, to discuss. Uh, I think three is going to be an interesting one. I know three is perhaps even more divisive and perhaps even more. I don't know. I know a lot of people. I do know some people who really like that film, but I know a lot who really don't. Uh, but obviously, we've got quite a few films between then and now. But uh, yeah, Iron Man two. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think it's pretty much just if you're one, if you buy the box set of of the phase or whatever, or you're in the mood for a bit of a marathon. I think it's pretty much only for you. Anyone else looking for a kind of a standout superhero uh, adventure? Watch the first one, or, or you know, take take your pick of any other number of films you can watch and say this because it really does feel kind of by the numbers and kind of uh, overly long and 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 unremarkable. It's, I think it's still at the at perhaps at the bottom of 
what we generally consider to be the base MCU standard in terms of competency and, you know, what have you. But yeah, very, very unremarkable, I think, is my main takeaway. The film was a financial success, though. It made a little more money than the first one did. Not like yeah. blow away money, because Iron Man 3 made blow away money. But this made 630 or $23 million, which is, you know, that's good money. Yeah, absolutely. So before we go, plugs? Uh, just the usual plugs. You can, uh, what, what do we got coming up this week on the podcast? Uh, if you go to chairshoppodcast.com, you can send us an email with your thoughts on, you know, uh, uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, maybe any wrestling in your area, anything like that. We talk about all the, the kind of wrestling and life subjects you can shake a stick at. So uh, at ChairShopPod on Twitter, at the Barry Lad on Twitter, where you can find me tweeting about life and also uh, various links to various different projects uh, and stuff like that. And up next, we'll be talking about Thor. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Thor is Thor's, Thor's another one. Like all of these films in the first phase you're gonna like, like yeah i i that's actually another one i've only seen once i have i have better memories of it than i had of hulk and iron man 2 uh i i i really like chris hemsworth as a lead i think he's 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 great in his role but i certainly don't have the greatest memories ever of oh i can't wait to rewatch this scene i mean i, cou- I couldn't tell you what the big major set pieces are uh but yeah i'll give it another gander i suppose close to this time and uh and uh we'll be back to chat about it you can listen to new episodes of podcasts today every single day at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can subscribe on iTunes by searching for the TWS Network or subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.